Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 409 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. You know, we promised you we would be bringing you a lot of content in the week leading up to Duke and UNC at the Final Four. Oh my goodness. It couldn't be a bigger time for Duke fans. And so we decided to get one of the biggest names in Duke fandom and covering the Duke basketball team around. Joining us today is Jay Billis. Jay, how you doing, my friend? It is always a pleasure to be on episode 409. It's, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. By the way, I, I rushed into Jay so fast, I didn't say, I'm Jason Evans. You should know that by now. Joining me is also Sam Klein. And Jay, I, I think the first thing I want to ask you is, it's Duke versus UNC. I have been getting emails. I've been reading posts on Twitter from uh, look at, uh, people on Duke message boards who are all terrified that this game is happening. People are calling it Armageddon. They say it will ruin the rivalry forever, the Duke-UNC rivalry, because it gives one side a permanent one-up on the other one. All right, I want you, for a second, put your analyst hat aside. You're not Jay Billis the analyst, you're Jay Billis the fan. Is this a good or a bad thing? I know so many people who are terrified of this game. What is your opinion? It's a great thing. Uh, to have these two teams playing in a Final Four is fantastic. Does it come with some extra baggage because of of the stuff you're talking about. Yes. And you probably get the same thing I do. You have fans coming up to you all the time saying, should I be nervous? Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm prepared for the game. And, and I try to tell them in a nice way, you don't have to be prepared. You have no bearing on the outcome. So you can be nervous. You can you be sure? confident. You can be drunk. You can be asleep. Your participation is of zero consequence in this. And that, that's why, like, it's going to be fun. It is not a trump card any more than winning a championship when the other team loses in the first round or something like that is a trump card. Um, it's just, it's another wonderful opportunity for great competition. But, you know, you know how this stuff goes. I mean, I'm not sure whether fans from Duke or Carolina are looking at this as Duke is playing Carolina and, and there's a national championship in the balance, or it's the national championship at first. And, uh, you know, trying to win that versus beating your rival. It's a it's a really weird dynamic in this one. I've seen references to uh, <laughs> to this being like the the 1980 uh, ice hockey semifinal between USA and Russia. And it's almost like it didn't matter that USA won the gold. What mattered was that USA beat Russia in the in in that game. And, and, and the question I just have this week is, is Duke USA or is Duke, U, is, is Duke Russia? And, and, and well, is, Pan, it, is, is Kansas Finland. <laughs> yeah. It would have, it would have mattered if the United States had lost in the, in the gold medal game. And that's sort of the thing is if, if the winner of the Duke Carolina semifinal loses in the final, nobody's going to care as much. And, and that's, if, Wait, do you if really, it's, hold on, hold on. Do you really think that? Cause I know plenty of yes, Duke fans. I do. I, I know Duke fans who say it's more important do. to win this game than to win the finals. And I think they're crazy. No, no it's not there. That that's, that's like profoundly stupid. <laughs> um, I mean, you have to win this game in order to win the final. That's obvious. But if you win this game and, and lose the final, uh, it, the significance of a semifinal win. I mean, I've, I've been in that situation where you not, not in the Duke Carolina thing, but heck we, we beat Carolina, uh, when, in the ACC tournament semifinal lost the final, nobody cares. Um, if you don't win the championship, nobody cares. And, and that's, that's sort of the, the way this thing goes. And there's going to be a lot of attention on this. 
but I wouldn't mind being Kansas or Villanova in this thing going, you know, you guys go and have your little Hatfield McCoy matchup in the center ring and then we'll see you Monday night and sort of uh, go there quietly and take a swing at the winner. So I, I want to go back to the start of the tournament. You can be an analyst again now. Uh, what did you realistically, uh, what, what did you think were Duke's chances and UNC's chances of making it this far? I thought both um, had as good a chance as anybody to do well. Um, I think all of us thought that this was going to be somewhat of a volatile first weekend uh, because nobody had established themselves as being truly great throughout the course of the year. Uh, and Duke was not, in my view, playing particularly well toward the end of the year. Uh, there were some issues with their ball screen defense and uh, you know, it's not a Duke had been called an old school Duke defensive team, which I don't agree with. I mean, it, it's not a team that forces a lot of turnovers. They're good defensively, but they're not a, a turnover forcing team. And uh, so this idea about getting out and passing lanes and pressure in the ball like the old days, they, they don't really do that. But but they've got Mark Williams, which teams didn't have in the old days. So they don't in a way don't need to do that. Uh, but you know, Carolina had been on an upward trend, but they had a difficult draw and, uh, but they'd been playing really well. So did I see Duke getting to a final four? I wouldn't have picked it, but Duke's played it's arguably it's four best games in the tournament. I mean, the way they played in the second half against Texas tech was magnificent and, uh, and they were good. The, like they were outstanding the whole game long against, against Arkansas and Duke only took 10 threes in that game and scored more points in the paint against Arkansas than any team had all year. And Arkansas has played a great schedule. So, uh, you know, if you were dropped in uh, to only the tournament, you know, and had some basketball acumen to you, and you could only watch the tournament this year and had to assess who the best team is, I, I think most reasonable basketball people would say, well, Duke's the best team. Look at the way they're playing. They played better than anybody in, in the tournament, and they have. To this point, Duke has played better than anybody. Um, but that doesn't guarantee him anything, obviously. No, no, definitely not. Hey, I want to hearken back. I was a freshman in 1986 when you were a senior and you and Johnny Dawkins and Mark Allery, God, I, that, that seems so legendary. You guys won a, a semifinal game against Kansas. Um, and people, most people probably don't recall it. I, of course, you recall it. I recall it because I was there. You guys had played Kansas earlier in the year. So it was a rematch in the final four, which is not something that you see all that often. Uh, can, can you recall, you know, is your preparation a little different maybe for a rematch and Duke will be having a rematch here against UNC than it would be for a team that you're, you know, obviously facing for the first time? I mean, the answer is no, that the preparation is the same, but you are bringing some knowledge in uh, about the opponent and you do have some some experience against them. I mean, back then, and that's a long time ago, but those were the two best teams. I mean, at that time, it's changed since then, but at that time, that was the most wins on a court uh, at the same time in the history of basketball. You know, we'd, we'd won 36 games, they won 35, and we were one and two in the country. And, and there were a lot of people that thought that was the de facto national championship game, that we wound up getting clipped by Louisville in the final. But, and nobody cared. Uh, about all that we had done that year. Nobody cared. And so that that's the way this stuff goes. If you don't win it, nobody cares. So, um, but, you know, Duke and Carolina, as you guys know, have played twice this year. The first game, I don't think is even worth looking at the tape over because both teams are really different now. 
And the second one won't be so much like there was a lot of emotion going into that game with all that was going on with Coach K and the last home game uh, that he'll ever coach in camera, that kind of thing. But there are things to take from it. Um, you know, the, the Carolina is going to run the same stuff. There might be a few variations they run, but it'll be largely the same. And Duke will have to do a, a much better job of guarding it. But, you know, back in 1991, um, you know, Duke lost to, or excuse me, 1990, Duke lost by 100. I was a grad assistant, lost by 100 to UNLV in the championship game. And then wind up playing Carolina, or playing UNLV in the semifinals the next year. And a lot of guys on the staff, Mike Bray, Tommy Amaker, Peacock, up myself, we had thought, why even look at the tape from the year before or show it to the team? And Coach K said, no, we're showing them the, the tape. Like, we're going we're gonna to show them if we clean up this, this, and this, we'll be right there at the end. And, and we live in close games. They don't. And if it's close at the end, we'll win. You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like a Cinderella Man or something. You know, you want to show – uh, you want to show James J. Braddock the 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 film of Max Bear killing a guy, <laughs> but he but seeing it, uh, it, it isn't a bad thing. Coach K thought it was a good thing. It worked out pretty well. I love the history we're getting here. Sam, take it away. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, Jay. Does that mean that, that this week the team is going to be watching a lot of the second half from that from that season finale? I don't know, Sam. I don't know if it'll be a lot because, you know, tape review is a little bit different for teams now. Uh, I, I don't think the Duke, the Duke staff shows as much film. We used to watch real film. Uh, so you, so you, they can cut things up now and, uh, and be much more efficient with the players and their, uh, their attention spans and all that stuff. It's not like we had greater attention spans. We just had to do it and they don't have to do it now. So I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I know they'll both teams will be really well prepared and I, they'll both address, both coaches will address the Duke Carolina thing, but I don't think it'll be a, uh, I don't think it'll be a theme uh, because it's just, I mean, that's not the ultimate goal. Isn't to just to beat Carolina as, as some fans think, or to, or for Carolina to beat Duke as some fans think it's to, it's to win the national championship and you're two steps away from it, but you can't take the step a second step until you execute the first. And it leads me to the next thing I was wondering about, which is going into this weekend. And I guess this would apply to, to any weekend of the tournament where you've got, you know, four or five days to prepare for a new opponent. And then if you win, you get 48 hours, if not less to prepare for the next opponent. How much does the staff look at, Villanova and Kansas heading into this weekend ahead of time, or is it all prep uh, around, around that semifinal game? No, they'll, they'll, they'll prepare for all of it. So, you know, you don't want to just prepare for the one game and then have a day to prepare for the next. So that they'll be fully, the coaches will be fully prepared. How much they give to the players before the first game is an issue that the, there may be some drills they might do on a couple of things to say, Hey, we may see this Monday night. Um, I don't think they would tell the players that they, they may have a couple things that, that they do, but, but probably not at this stage of the season um, it, that, that coaches do that differently. Coach K has done that in the past, but that doesn't mean he'll do it now. Um, and, you know, most of the players, some of the players have, have uh, experience uh, with Kansas, but, but not most of them. And of course, the whole team has experience with Villanova, although only in a uh, only in a scrimmage capacity, as they did at the beginning of the season. That probably, but that's better. 
That's yeah. better than have play, having played a game against them because the, the scrimmage, the secret scrimmage they had was longer and it was, you know, I wasn't there, but uh, I heard from both uh, both coaches about it, that it was a brutal competition. So they, they, they know each other and that's, that's helpful to both of them. Sort of zooming out from the, just from the game prep, looking ahead to this weekend, I know that like if you're, if you're watching any sports media or you're on the internet at all, you know how much of a, uh, a zoo, I think Saturday is going to be in New Orleans. How does the does the coaching staff manage all of the other stuff around the team? Because as you mentioned, during you know the lead up to that to that UNC game at the end of the season in Cameron, I think part of the narrative was that there was just so much else going on that the players might have gotten distracted or overwhelmed or exhausted by all the other stuff and weren't able to focus. How do you keep the team focused with all the other hoopla? around the final four well if that did happen i think you reference it and say hey we went through this similar thing with uh with the last home game for coach k it was a lot but you know i kind of knew what was going to happen that if duke had lost it would be the weight of coach k's last home game and the emotion of it was a distraction and a problem and if they won it would have been they rode the wave of emotion to send coach k out a winner to a victory you know we would always do that backward looking because uh, none of us are in there knowing what what it's like. But, um, you know, when Coach K came out afterwards to give his postgame speech and he said, you know, took the microphone and said that was unacceptable. I mean, I, I think that helped show the weight of, of the event more so than the game. I mean, I, I don't think it's unacceptable to lose North Carolina. <laughs> it's, but, but that's the way everybody felt. Um, and this will be different. I mean, it'll be final uh, for the loser. Um, and the winner gets to move on, but it, it, this is way bigger. Like winning a national championship is way bigger than the Duke Carolina rivalry. It may not be to fans, but the fans, I mean, I hate to say this, but the fans don't matter. Uh, only the, the, the players and the, the teams matter. And kind of looking at, at the, the other side of the bracket, just very quickly, um, what are the keys you think in the, in that Villanova, Kansas game, what are you going to be watching for? And, and do you have a sense of, of who you think is going to be coming out of, of the first semifinal? I think Kansas will win the game, but uh, it's largely because Justin Moore is injured. And I think Kevin to, to overcome losing your second leading scorer and your best defender and a guy who's just a stud is going to be a lot to ask in, in a game like that when they've only got a week to, to prepare or five days, whatever it is. Um, and that means they're going to have, they're going to play five guys pretty much exclusively. So Caleb Daniels will move into the, st- the starting lineup. So they're not going to have a-, a weapon coming off the bench. It's going to have to be five guys going the whole way. And, um, outside of Virginia, Villanova plays the slowest tempo of any major college team in the country, any power five team or power six, I guess. And, uh, uh but they're expert at shot fake, um, pivot uh back downs and they're a really good passing team and they're unbelievably physical on the defensive end so they they can absolutely win but but i think kansas has more more depth and more weapons uh to be able to uh to advance but but who knows i mean you get to this point in the season uh you're playing against somebody really formidable and that's i think villanova's got the best culture of any program in the country and uh, and they'll be relying on that culture with with Justin Moore out. All right. So I, I want to ask you about your prediction for the Duke game, but I'm going to do that after we take a very quick commercial break. Stick around.
So uh, we are back now with Jay Billis again. And Jay, I, I think the thing everyone wants to know, give us a prediction, man. How do you think? And not just like a score or a winner, sort of, you know, what do you think is going to happen in these games? Um, start, of course, with the Duke Carolina game and take me through the whole weekend. Well, you know, I, I think Duke is playing so well now and and having Jeremy Roach run the point has been a, a, a big factor in their playing well because his decision making has been so good. He's so fast with the ball, not only getting it out in transition, you know, Duke's got, as you guys know, has four guys that can basically rip and run after a, a rebound. They can take it the other way without outletting it. Uh, but his penetration has been fantastic. And, uh, and Mark Williams has been great. I think Duke's ball screen defense has been much better. Uh, and Williams has been protecting the, the rim. You know, he had three blocks against Arkansas, but I think he must have 12, uh, changed 12 or 13 shots where Arkansas missed shots they normally would have made without his presence there. Uh, so a real key is going to be how Duke defends uh, North Carolina's, uh, ball screen action their their you know, it's kind of roll pop stuff with Brady Manick, uh, shooting. And then Armando Baycott inside, like Armando Baycott's been the best, I think been the most consistent big guy in the country. There, there's been nobody more consistent throughout the course of the year. He's had 29 double doubles. He's coming off a 20 point, 22 rebound game in the regional final. Uh, he's been a monster and he's going to be formidable, but Duke has some matchups that they offer that Carolina can't match up with. And uh, it's just a question whether those matchups uh, go Duke's way. Um, they don't have anybody to guard Paolo Bancaro, but they, I, I still don't think they can get into an isolation contest with, uh, you know, giving it to Bancaro and just letting him go one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, uh, that's part of what got him in a little bit of trouble uh, in the game in Cameron against Carolina. Um, but Carolina, you know, you have to deal with Carolina's three-point shooting with Davis, Love, and Manic, and you have to deal with Baycott. But if Carolina gets in any sort of foul trouble, especially with Baycott, uh, that's concerning for them because uh, they don't have a lot of depth off the bench. They get spot minutes and they've gotten some good spot minutes from Puff Johnson and Dontre Styles in different games. But they can't play those guys significant minutes because they, can, you know, they don't score efficiently when they're on the floor. Um, so I, I think you'll see Duke do a better job with their ball screen defense, uh, whether they switch it or uh, stay connected and hedge or whatever. Uh, and I think you'll see him help a little bit more off Leaky Black because I don't think they'll be as worried about Black knocking down a perimeter shot. They can close out late to him. So you try to get a little more lane protection, uh, guarding ball screens with all five guys instead of just the, the two or three guys that are involved in the action. All right. So was that a prediction? <laughs> I mean, I think I think Duke is – I don't think this is breaking news to anybody. I, mean, I think Duke is the better team. Uh, if they played a seven-game series, I think Duke could win the seven-game series, but it's not a seven-game series, and Carolina's right. already proven they can win. Uh, so, I, I mean, I would, I think Duke should be favored in the game, which when you favor them, you think they should probably win. But uh, you just don't know how uh, everybody's going to handle all this stuff, how Duke's going to shoot it. Um, you know, if, they, if Carolina play, you know, they're playing really strong. And, uh, but they don't have as much margin for error. They don't have a, they don't have replacement parts they can put in, uh, to the lineup and Duke does, um, they don't have a lot, but, but, you know, Duke has a couple guys they can bring off the bench, um, and, uh, and Theo John and, and Trevor Keels and Carolina doesn't have players that they can bring in like that. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to, they're going to have more of an iron five uh, approach to it. And they got to keep those guys in the game. 
So if Duke attacks the paint on them like they did uh, against Texas Tech and especially in the second half and like they did against Arkansas for 40 minutes, um, I, I would favor Duke in the game. And, and really quickly, um, Kansas-Villanova, I'm guessing with the, the injuries, Kansas has got to be your, your pick in that game as well, right? That's the primary reason uh, that, that you feel better about Kansas winning the game. I mean, I think if Justin Moore were in there, um, that would be a, a, a clear toss-up game where, you know, I, I just don't know that, that Kansas, even without uh, going against Moore, is going to be able to get out and transition all that much against, against Villanova. They're really good at taking that away and making it a half-court game. But if Kansas is able to run their half-court offense with some speed, um, you know, they do a lot of side to side stuff and, and they're able to get angles to David McCormick in the post. And then when they turn the corner, it's going to be hard to turn the corner on, on, you know, sort of those dribble pitch actions. Like they, they're not even dribble handoffs. They pitch it. So it's harder to switch and, and Villanova switches everything, but they chest up. I mean, they, they, they're as good as anybody at, at using their bodies to stop drives and to angle you out. But I still, I favor Kansas in the game. Jay, looking ahead to this weekend, I know that, or I assume rather, that typically if Duke's involved in a big game um, between your connections to the program and, and you're being in the media, people probably hitting you up for for tickets or advice on going to the game and stuff. And I imagine that that is ratcheted up to to eleven uh, for this weekend. What are what are some of the the wild things that you're hearing out there about about people trying to get in the building for Saturday night? It hasn't been that bad for me. Um, I, uh, you know, you guys may know this, but my wife and I bought season tickets uh, at Duke, I don't know, seven years ago, because I got tired of calling the basketball office every, every time one of my friends wanted to go, <laughs> or, you know, you get these sob stories. I've never been to Cameron. And you're like, well, you know, but I got tired. Well, they, of Jay, they, Jay, they ask me and I just say, I, I don't know what to, what to tell you to go, go buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I should say that, but I didn't. And, uh, but, but we bought season tickets just so we could give them away and we didn't have to bother anybody. Final four is a little bit different. Like I've, I've gotten tickets for some people through the NCAA. Um, but, but I haven't, um, my wife and daughter wanted to go, you know, my wife goes to the final four a lot of times, but then when Duke got in now she wants, you know, she doesn't, she usually doesn't go to the games. And now she wants to go to the game. So, you know, you had to make a phone call for that. But I'm willing to do that for my wife. I'm not willing to do it for other people anymore. I don't I don't do that stuff anymore. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've noticed that too. Yeah. Okay, so Jay, um, I'm going to go back. Um, we're going to wrap it up here. I want to go back to 1986 again. And I, I want to see if you can tap into your memory and recall what it was like being in that locker room. How did Coach K motivate you guys? Do you have any good stories from 1986 when you were in the final four against Kansas and against Louisville. He is not a, uh, a rah-rah speech guy at that stage of the season that I remember. Uh, so it wasn't like he came in with some new Brockney speech about what we had to do. We were prepared. We were older. Uh, so he didn't do a lot of that. Heck, before we played North Carolina in the last game of the season, he just came in and looked at everybody and said, let's go. And that was the end of it. Uh, that was his pregame speech. And uh, I don't honestly, I don't remember much before the game about stuff that he said uh, before the final or the semifinal. Um, you know, we prepared the same way that we did throughout the course of the season. And, uh, and we just didn't, you know, we didn't shoot the ball well in the final game um, and wound up losing. But um, I don't even remember. I don't think there was a big speech after the game either uh, in either one. So um, 
I don't know that that he'll um, you know, I'm not in there now for for those kind of things. But, you know, during the course of the year, he's always you know, he's done a couple of rah-rah things, not necessarily right before a game, but uh, but in and prepare, you know, preparing for the game. Um, so he may do some stuff this week, but I, I don't think he'll pull any any crazy stuff out. Um, it, it's you know, like these guys are pretty, even though they're young at times, they're pretty mature. Uh, so, and they've been through a lot, they've played a lot of big games. Uh, so I don't, you know, this one is different there and, and the Carolina thing, the Duke Carolina thing brings a lot of baggage that normally wouldn't be present. So, uh, I think it will be addressed, but I don't, I don't think they'll make a big deal out of it. Try to make it bigger than it is. Well, Jay, that's going to wrap it up then, man. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you giving us time this this very busy, very important week for Duke, for Carolina, for college basketball, for everybody. Yeah, everyone's saying this is going to be like the biggest game in the history of college basketball. I don't, I don't know if it's going to surpass Indiana, uh, Indiana State, Michigan State in 1980, but it's a big deal, right? <laughs> well, it's a big deal. And, and you know, I don't agree with those that say it'll be the biggest game in the history of the NCAA tournament. I think that's a little hyperbolic um, and throwing a little more on it than, it, than there, there should be. But, um, you know, you guys know the, the Duke Carolina thing's real and it goes beyond uh, just the fan base of the two teams. Uh, people are interested in it um, outside of the outside of the two teams and all rivalries are the same to the participants. Like Duke Carolina is not more intense than Auburn, Alabama or Xavier, Cincinnati or USC, UCLA. It's just not. But there are way more people outside the rivalry that are incredibly interested in it. And it's always delivered like, because of the stature of the two programs. Um, it's always championship level, always, uh, even when one team isn't quite as good as the other in a given year. Uh, so, it, you know, it always delivers. And, and I think it'll deliver this time, too. Um, but that's that's, you know, saying it's the biggest game in NCAA tournament history is throwing a lot on on the players. I don't I don't agree with it. I think I think the biggest games wind up coming in uh, when you don't expect it. But it also comes in in a title game, too. Well, again, Jay, like I was saying, thank you so much for joining us and uh, and giving us your your preview and, and all the advice about what to watch for in this game. We, we appreciate it, man. Good luck. No, it's my, my pleasure. Can't wait for episode 410. <laughs> it's coming very soon i promise we, i was gonna say i think we're recording it right after this so, so yeah, what are you going to talk about what are you guys going to talk about Y'all who knows man who knows there's nothing go- there's nothing else going on this week everyone's distracted by this final four thanks a lot well, buddy. thank you guys have a good one talk to you soon hey i hope, hope to see you down in new orleans sam and i are both going. i'll be there i'll be there we'll see you guys there Adios. take care jay take care So again, we want to thank Jay Billis, man. That was just—it was great. It's so much fun to talk to him every time. And no one, I think, Sam has a better perspective on 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 what's about to happen, both from the standpoint of a guy who was there, um, you know, did it himself in terms of playing in a Final Four, and from a guy who knows the Duke UNC rivalry as well as anybody out there. I'm I'm pleased that uh, that he 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 feels like Duke is is the better. You could really get a sense he feels like Duke is the better team, you know, maybe even a little bit significantly so. And and it's it's good having his perspective, as you said. No one knows it better. I don't even think that that's cliche. Jay has been a player on a Final Four team. He's been a coach 
on a national championship winning team. Uh, he's been a fan out in the world. Like he, he, he stopped being involved in basketball for a little bit when he was just, you know, being a lawyer uh, and, and acting as a, as a Duke alum, obviously he he's, has an easier time getting tickets than, than maybe the rest of us do. But, uh, and then, then he joined uh, ESPN now as a, now as a commentator, basically full time. So he's sort of, he's sort of been involved at, at every level here. And, and you're right. He has, he has a lot more perspective on this. I think than you and I do, right. We, we get very excited for this sort of thing. We get, exactly. like, we, yeah. we get, we get overwhelmed by the narrative and the, and, and, and the whole, as I, I call it the hoopla around, around the whole event. And Jay is like, Nope, these guys are going to be locked in. They, they recognize they're playing in a big stadium in front of a, you know, more people than they do all season, but, but they're preparing for a game. They're watching film. The coaching staff is getting ready for a full weekend's worth of games and the players are going to be ready. They have all the motivation. I think he, he referenced this. They have all the motivation they need from that game at the end of the regular season. Yeah. Uh, you don't even need this to be the final four. You don't need this to be playing for the chance to go to the national championship game for this Duke team to be insanely motivated to beat Carolina one more time this season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, before we go, correct myself very quickly. I think I said the Indiana state, Michigan state, the Larry bird versus magic Johnson game, the famous game that is the most watched NCAA championship game in history. I said, 1980, it was 1979. Hey, top of my head. I blew it. I, if someone, I, I, I let, let's see if anyone emailed us in the, in the like three minutes of podcast time that would have elapsed between <laughs> you, you saying it the first time at the correction. Right. Exactly. Every, I should have known that. I should have known that better. But anyway, regardless, uh, I did want to correct myself live here on the air. Uh, again, we're thanking Jay Billis for joining us. This has been episode 409 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Folks, if you think we're done, ain't no way. We're going to be coming back very, very soon. More episodes coming at you this week as we continue to preview the huge, huge final four weekend coming up duke against unc and uh for sam i am jason donald couldn't be with us he'll be with us on the next one i promise that is episode 409 and this is the duke band to play us out and take us home i'm guessing you're going to new orleans right yeah, I'm going to uh, tonight. I have to get there late tonight. I just found out that I got tickets, so I'm very excited. I'll be coming oh, in on Friday or Saturday, I think. It should be a good time. Hear from, yeah, I heard from many other players. Are, are other folks planning to come? Oh, I'm sure there are a ton of them. It won't be like uh, won't be like the, Carol- the Carolina game in Cameron, though, I doubt. <laughs> Meaning? In terms of number of players. That was incredible. I had... I had the seat right against. There, there the- may be, there may be almost as many. I mean, could, people like to go to the final four. Yeah, I had, um, I had the front row seat in uh, just behind where Carlos and Mike Dunleavy um, and Christian were all standing. <laughs> okay, it was fun. It was, it was great just to see all you guys enjoying it so much. That's cool. Let me 
give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com.